Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network. You can find us as part of the Blazers Edge podcast feed. I am Tara, joined as always by Kendall. How's it going, Kendall? I'm good. How are you? Well, let me tell you how my night was. This is how it started off. <laughs> um, I have a wonderful friend named Teresa who is starting a pet sitting business. So I did what a good friend does, and I wrote a long and loving post on Facebook to all of my Facebook friends telling them that they should go and uh you know, look into Teresa's pet care because she's amazing. So my Facebook is connected to my Twitter account. So when I, uh, you know, when I post something on Facebook, it automatically goes out. So it went out on Twitter. Um, but since it was like so long, it got cut off in the most awkward <laughs> place oh, possible. Geez. So this is how it, this is how it ended up. My friend, this is what I wrote. My friend Teresa is starting a pet care business, and I know she is just what you would be looking for. For as long as I've known her, since our kids were in first grade, she has been a compassionate and kind lover. And and it's supposed to say of animals, but that's where it cut off. So that's what I've been dealing with tonight. Oh, geez. You got a lot. You got a lot of messages about that after. I, I got a few. You know, yeah. I just I need to step away from Twitter because ever since the NBA Finals has been over, it's just been burning and melting down and awful. And yeah, I don't know. So, how are you feeling? Um, and how did you feel about the NBA Finals? Um. Well, I I made it. Um. Did you watch yeah. all of them? Like like all four games. I, I did. I had to, I had to watch them live for work. So, um, as much as there were definitely a couple that are towards the end, I, I was over it. I really was tired of watching it, but I had to. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was not... such a bummer. Cause that first game was so great. Yeah. The first game was really good. It had absolutely everything except for a Cavs victory. I mean, it had drama. It had ref controversy. It had LeBron just going absolutely heroic. Uh, It was amazing. Um, And it was so good that like, you know, natural conversation just grew from it for days. And and then game two happened and it was close. And then game three happened and it was like, no. And then I went camping for game four. (laughs) I was like, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Game four was just rough to watch. Where do you fall on the um, Golden State is ruining basketball spectrum? Um, I am all for it. I completely agree with that statement. Um, Yeah, I think it's I have no problem with the dynasty, but I think the problem with them is that it's not even a challenge at this point. It's not even like people are coming and like trying to take down the dynasty. It's just like they're there, they're untouchable. It feels like, and it's just, it's not, it's not fun to watch. And it's just us to endure it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think that's the, I think I've said this before where the best, what the best part of sports and what makes sports interesting and fun is that you don't know what the outcome is going to be. It's the thrill of like, having no idea what's going to happen. Anything could happen at any moment. And that's what makes it fun. And with the Warriors, like, you don't get that. Like, okay, yeah, every once in a while there's a good game or they lose a game or whatever, and it's fun, but it's like 
okay, they lost a game. Like, cool, they're going to win the next 10. So it's like, it's not very, like, I think the most exciting it's been was their series with the Rockets. But that's like the most exciting thing that's happened in a couple of years with them. So it's like, I don't know, since like the the finals when the Cavs won, I think. So for two seasons, that was the most exciting thing that happened was that they went to seven games. Yeah, I kind of look at it, I, tr- I try to look at it in the light of, I don't think that they are ruining basketball, but I think basketball is changing. And I think they are an instigator of that change. And whatever basketball evolves into next is going to be a direct result of what they were. And I think that's really interesting. And I think that is really important, but I totally agree with you. That it's not fun to watch because I think it's really sad that it's only exciting when they lose. I mean, that's a bummer, you know, it's like you want to appreciate every team, and I suppose I appreciate the basketball, but I really just, I don't like watching it because like you said, it's like, it's very, it's so consistently good that it's like, it's exciting to when something goes wrong because mm-hmm. <laughs> it just makes it like more interesting. Yeah. And I think that they, I think the difference between them and like most dynasties that you think of from the past is that people even if they weren't a fan of the team, they t- tuned in to watch that dynasty. Everyone wanted to watch Jordan's Bulls. Everyone wanted to watch like the big three in uh, Miami. And like everyone wanted to watch those Showtime Lakers, like all those teams, people looked forward to that. And with the Warriors, it's like no one looks forward to it. Very, the only people that do are Warriors fans. And I think that's what's so different about their team versus other dynasties in the past. And like, if you look at just purely ratings of the games, the NBA ratings are growing. They're getting bigger. Like, a lot of other sports are dropping and NBA is getting better. But when it comes to the finals, game, like, um, title clinching games of like the final game of all of Jordan's bulls, all of his final series, um, showtime later series, the like D Wade and LeBron Miami teams, like their finals, like clinching games, all of those ratings for those final games went up because people tuned in for them for this series. Game four ratings went down. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I didn't watch it. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that that speaks a lot is that a lot of people say, oh, well, it's not bad for ratings. And well, well, it is. People are getting tired of it. And the fans who are watching it, typically a lot of fans are just watching it because it's like it's the finals. It's I'm going to watch it no matter who's in it. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of those fans. And I know that's for me as much as I didn't really want to watch like the last couple of games, I still would have ended up watching most of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, but I don't enjoy it. And it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's bad. Like, it's not fun to be a fan of a lead where all of a sudden you stop enjoying the finals. It's like exercise. Like, you know, you have to do it, but you're not going to enjoy it. And then when it's over, you're like, yeah, I watched some good basketball, but I really didn't enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause you don't want to like, you watch it because you don't want to be like, oh, I'm a huge NBA fan, but I didn't watch the finals. Right. Like, like you can't say that. That's but, true. Yeah. I, on the um, on the Open Floor podcast the uh, with Ben Golliver and Andrew Sharp, they were talking today about what would be – somebody wrote him, asked him a question about what would be the catalyst for the end of the Warriors dynasty. So do you have any ideas what you think it might be that 
um, you know, is the beginning of the end? Yeah. So I actually was just having this conversation right before we start recording. So a lot of reports came out today about different rumors, things athletes have said, whatnot. Um, it came out that the Warriors are possibly looking to trade for Anthony Davis. God, so that's exactly if, what they need. Is it, yeah, exactly. So if they trade for him, obviously they have to give something bid back, which means they would have to either give Clay or Draymond. Those are the, those. They would have to give one of them. It would most likely be Draymond. Well, the problem now is that now that that's public knowledge that the Warriors are looking for that, Clay and Draymond are aware which means that they're aware of they're possibly going to be getting traded. So both of them have one more year on their contract, but can opt out this year. They both have said that they want to stay, but Draymond clay hasn't really commented on whether or not he's opting out to try to get more money or um, he hasn't said one way or the other. Draymond came out either. He either said today or yesterday, or he said it recently that he is opting out and he's going to try to renegotiate and get more money. So the problem with that is that the Warriors don't have the money right now. So if he tries to re-sign this year with the Warriors and did a match deal, he's actually going to be getting close to $80 million less than he would be if he waited till next year. Oh, that's a so, lot less. <laughs> that's a lot, which means he's either going to – what he's trying to do is get more money, which he can't really do right now. So he's either going to take a pay cut or – just sign for a nut. Like, what is he going to do? Like, the smart decision would just be stay for one more year and get more money next year because he's not going to sign a one-year deal. So if he signs with them, he's going to be losing a bunch of money. If he wants to get that match deal this summer, he's going to be leaving. He also has the idea of if he signs a match deal right now, he is a very good person to trade. Right. Because they're like, well, he just signed a five-year deal or a four-year deal. So Clay is in the leverage where if he doesn't opt out, they're probably not going to want to trade him for a one-year deal. Because if they trade him to the Pelicans, he's not going to stay there next year or af after next year. So I think that that's interesting because then it's putting them in a position where it's like now two of their four all-stars are feeling like, okay, so we're the two that are on the chopping block but we're also trying to get more money. And so I could, I don't necessarily think, think this is going to happen, but I could easily see Draymond leaving this summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that Draymond he wants could the money. Be, right. I think that he could be the one or he wants, and I think that um, he is more valuable. You know, he has a lot of intangible. Well, we all know that this is like mm -hmm. stating the obvious, but um, I think losing him would be, more impactful even than people realize yes um yeah i mean just look at the the finals where he was ejected yeah or right. where he was suspended right like, where they lost the finals yeah. because of that yeah like there you go like and i think <laughs> obviously like yeah clay is an amazing player but they can win without clay much easier than they can win without draymond right right and so i think he's in a lot he's in a powerful position right now because I think they know that and they want to try to sign him so that they can get Anthony Davis. But then I don't think he's going to want to sign if he knows there's a chance that he's just going to get traded for Anthony Davis. So I think that's going to be pretty interesting. But, so one of the key players walking away, you think, is yeah. would be the, the downfall. Potentially. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And I, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but it's definitely a possibility. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, CJ Merhola, actually, so from Brace Back to Blazers, he actually retweeted. So today he quote tweeted Bleacher Report put out um, that Draymond's it's well, it says he's expected to turn down the extension. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he hopes to earn a super max contract. CJ quote tweeted and said, Date your bread, Dre, or leave. <laughs> CJ's so he, got a lot of opinions on Twitter these yeah. days. He does. Um, I think he's bored. <laughs> I think CJ might need to like step away from Twitter for a little while. <laughs> yeah. But it's I just... think that's kind of I think I think Draymond now, I think obviously he does care a lot about winning, but it's like he has three rings now. Right. I yeah. think if he's like, okay, I stay and you trade me or I leave and did a match deal, he's going to choose the match deal. He has his three rings. So now what? Now he can go and... So their success might be their downfall. Yeah. That would be, well, that and then, would be and interesting. And then Kevin Durant opted out of his contract or his, his, he signed the two-year deal. He opted out and he said he wants to renegotiate for more money. Again... Where what money he took a pay cut last year because they didn't have the money. He took the pay cut so that those four could stay together. So now it's like, if all these players suddenly are like, okay, well, Steph just signed the biggest contract in NBA history. So where's my money? I had to take a pay cut. And I think that's where the problem is going to be is I think it's, they're going to start having that issue of they all want their money and not all of them are going to get it. So I have an alternative theory, and this is the last I want to talk about the team from the Bay Area because we've given them plenty of time. (laughs) Um, This is my alternative theory. So you know how the rumors are that LeBron is going to take a meeting with the Golden State Warriors? So this is what happened. Yeah, LeBron has a meeting with the Golden State Warriors. They bring in the Hampton Five, and LeBron leaves the meeting, and he takes Iguodala and Klay Thompson with him. Oh, that would be amazing. Can you imagine if one of these meetings ended up like that? I just, I obviously know that is not going to happen, but it just makes me laugh so hard to think about because LeBron is so powerful and granted, maybe his powers are waning just a little bit after the, you know, after the losing the finals recently, but I could just see him walking into the game, walking into that room and them all thinking that we're going to convince LeBron to come. And he's like, you two, you're with me. Yeah. Well, I don't, I think, I think that the whole idea of him taking a meeting, I think that's all false. I don't think there's a chance that they are trying to have a meeting with him. And I don't think that even if they were, I don't think he would ever do it because like what, what, like that would ruin his legacy. He would lose all of his fans. Yeah. He would never do it. He would not be able to get paid. Like, okay. He gets a couple more rings. Like, I don't. I don't think he cares that much about the rings to like ruin everything else that's why i think he's even allowing this rumor to get out here out there because he's just gonna go and he's just gonna like steal a couple guys right out from under him i just yeah. absolutely love that scenario well let's move on and talk about a couple more things real briefly so philadelphia had an exciting week a couple weeks ago with the twitter scandal <laughs> and Colangelo and honestly while it was breaking on Twitter and everybody was freaking out about it they were like oh my god you got to read this article it's amazing and so I was like reading it and by the way the article was like 900 million words which was like mm-hmm. nine eight hundred and ninety nine bazillion too many it was super yeah. long um so I was like basically 
Michelangelo may or may not have several burner accounts where he's saying mean and proprietary things about the players. Is there, am I missing anything? And people were like, no, that's pretty much it. So yeah, a lot of people were like, this is the greatest Twitter story to ever break. And I really don't think it was the greatest. I still think DeAndre Jordan um, being held hostage in Dallas was the best (laughs) Twitter story. Um, But this was pretty interesting. So what are your thoughts on uh, what happened in Philadelphia? Um, You know, honestly, I don't have like a super strong opinion on it. I think, I think that this is a lot more common than like people think. I think that, it just, he was dumb about it. He got caught. And he but threw I his mean, wife under the bus. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. And like, even, and people who are blaming her completely, like, I'm sure she had a part in it, but like, she couldn't have just known that information on her own. Like, that's only information that like, he was getting from the team. Mm-hmm. So like, clearly, like, yeah, I think that's all ridiculous. He told he told her she inappropriately shared it, but then he didn't like he didn't try to like protect her at all. He was like, it was her. <laughs> she did it. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, it I don't know. The whole thing was just it it was ridiculous. But I think what's interesting about it, um, I think that the biggest I think that for the most part, like, yeah, it's gonna affect Philly, but I don't think that it's going to have like a huge effect except for not to bring this back to the conversation we we're just having, but with LeBron and free agency, Philly is one of the ones, one of the teams that has a very high chance of getting him. And I think that this puts Philly in a really, a lot of people are like, Oh, this happened. And now he's never going to go to Philly. Well, they fired him. So the problem is now gone. What this does is it puts Philly in a really powerful position where they can go to LeBron and be like, who do you want in this position? Mm -hmm. If you sign with us, we will hire whoever you want. And like, I guarantee you they've already gone to him and told him that. And if they haven't, he knows they're going to like, so I think that actually helps them and potentially, I mean, if it, if he signs with them, that obviously helps, but it definitely helps their chances. I really think that he's going to choose a place next that has a really good front office because I think he wants to learn how to be an executive and an owner. And Mm -hmm. so I think he's going to choose a place where he can learn from the best, um, I'm not sure where that's going to be, but let's uh, let's end up this discussion by uh, talking about some of the free agency predictions that we think might happen. Because we do have a guest tonight, we're going to run an interview with somebody from the Lakers. They have a huge, uh, potentially a huge summer ahead of them. With they have a lot of cap space, more than most people's enough that you could they could even potentially clear room to get two. Max. So we do talk about that in the interview. We talk a lot about, you know, LeBron coming, but um, what are some of the other predictions that you have with some of the big free agents this summer? Yeah. You know, I, I feel like every time I have this conversation, I confuse myself more and change my mind. Like I, I honestly, I think that it's just, there are so many possibilities that are reasonable um, that I honestly like, you think they're going to do the reasonable thing? (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully not. I'm I'm hoping. I all season I was saying I want LeBron to stay in Cleveland, but now I don't want him to. I think he deserves much better than that. Um, so I obviously like he, there's there's no way he is staying. But I um, I would love to see him go to Philly. That's my first choice. What about Paul George? Um, see, I don't. To be honest, I don't really care where he does. 
Um, I, I'm a fan of Paul George, but I just, for some reason, I just don't really care where he ends. I don't think he's going to make a huge impact alone on a team. Um, but I think, I think he's in the Lakers. I think that's really the only one that's like a pretty for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm just hoping that there's some, I mean, I, I'm sure there will be some crazy things that happen and unexpected things. And I, I hope as much as everyone's like, oh, they're these teams, like super teams build them. I really hope that there are some big moves that happen that don't cause super teams. Like obviously wherever LeBron goes, it's probably going to turn into a super team, but I hope that some other players move around or trades happen that help to kind of at least even out some teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's just my, my biggest like hope for the season is that that happens. Cause that's honestly, that's what's going to help make the league more fun to watch and everything. So I'm hoping that that happens. Do you think uh, Kawhi stays or do you think he gets traded? Um, I don't know. I think that, well, I think he, they just had a meeting with him uh, or I think their pop called a meeting. They're supposed to have a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Supposed to. Um, So I think after reports about that, I'm sure stuff will come out about that. So I think after that, then maybe I'll have a better read. Yeah. Have more of an opinion, but I don't know. I think that, I think that's a really interesting situation because I feel like there's so much we don't know Mm -hmm. that it's really, hard to judge that mm-hmm. so yeah, real hard to tell yeah because then it's like I don't see them really wanting to trade him but at the same time like there obviously is some weird stuff going on that we really don't know about so who knows yeah I think it'll be a um I bet you he ends up staying in San Antonio I think it's amazing that there's even this much excitement around the possibility of him leaving because San Antonio is really usually so like I don't want to say boring because they're excellent but they're like not super exciting (laughs) and just the fact that there's any intrigue at all around Kawhi is uh is pretty remarkable I would say yeah what about one last thing what do you think about um some of the Blazers who are uh, restricted free agents so we've got Pat Connaughton Shabazz Napier uh oh well Nurkic and then Ed Davis is a like a you know full-on free agent um thoughts on what the Blazers do with any of their players yeah I mean I think we talked about this maybe like a month ago right but Um, everything changes (laughs) yeah I think as far as the Blazers go I feel like they're one of the teams who that nothing really has changed which I don't know if that's good or bad in the past month I think it's just nothing really has happened um there's definitely been rumors out of Bosnia um about Nurkic that there's a deal in place but I don't know how much of that is because of translation confusion (laughs) um because everybody's like getting it out of Google Translate and I actually like sent a clip of it you know to my friend who is Bosnian and I was like what do you think this says and she's like yeah it seems like they're saying that Nurk has a deal um but he can't sign it until July 1 and then a couple days later another one comes out and it's I think it's all like it all sounds like everybody is just kind of repeating like what the CBA rules are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's getting like uh, somehow quoted by, you know, big uh, basketball people in, in Bosnia. So I don't really think we're any closer to knowing what <laughs> knowing what's going to happen. But it's all fascinating. And uh, by the next time we talk, um, possibly there will have been some trades, um, I think. 
the draft is what that's less than 10 days away. So uh, the draft will be happening. That is exciting. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to bring up or should we just go ahead and talk about our guest? Um, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Well, we were lucky enough to talk tonight to Sabrina Merchant. She is a writer for Silver Screen and Roll. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is a Lakers blog. We invited a uh, a Laker fan to come on, Laker writer. She writes uh, for their blog, like I said, um, to come on and talk about some of the things that the Lakers are looking at. I think it's a fascinating culture down there around Laker fans because they're they're so entrenched they have so much history um, you know with the Showtime Lakers she goes back all the way to the Showtime Lakers so uh, she talks about you know some of the things that uh, people are looking forward to in this offseason some of the things that are the hot topics um, among Laker fans I just thought it was really interesting and really fun to just like get a glimpse of uh, what this kind of legendary fan base uh, is thinking mm-hmm. and uh Oh, content warning. She does talk about a certain Western Conference finals game. So <laughs> if that disturbs you, you may want to fast forward, uh, yeah. you know, to about halfway through the interview because she does uh, bring it up and it is um, somewhat traumatic. But we all we get through it. We work through it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, without any further delay, let's go ahead and run our talk with um, Sabrina Merchant. Welcome, Sabrina. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. So can you first start off by telling us how you first got into basketball? I've been into basketball my entire life. My parents moved to L.A. during the 80s, right around the height of the Showtime Lakers. So my brother and I were pretty much dressed in Laker onesies as kids, and it's just been a part of the family our entire lives. So did you play basketball growing up, or were you just primarily a fan? I used to play basketball, but I became clear very early that I had no handle or hand <laughs> So I spent more of my time on the bench than actually playing. <laughs> but it hasn't diminished how much I love watching it. So um, the Lakers obviously have a bid summer coming up or a potentially a very bid summer coming up with free agency. Do you have um, kind of any goals? Just start starting off of like what kind of do you want this summer to look like for the team? Well, I mean, unfortunately, it's been a big summer to look forward to for the last four or five years, so <laughs> it doesn't turn out the same way the rest of those did. I mean, obviously, I mean, any NBA fan knows that the Lakers are targeting LeBron James or Paul George and anybody else who will deign to take a meeting with us. Um, I think uh, most Laker fans are a- average case scenario is hoping to get Paul George, and you know, LeBron would be. Uh, the gravy on top of that but I think the expectation in LA is that we will get somebody good this year to pair with our young talent and it's going to be a hard pill to swallow if that doesn't happen. So there have been a lot of rumors recently obviously as there always are Um, but specifically I know today one of the big ones is that people think maybe Kevin Durant is going to team up with LeBron and go to the Lakers or it's uh, there's been rumors that LeBron has been reaching out to Chris Paul to try to go to the Lakers. And what do you kind of think of all those things? Do you, as a fan, do you listen to it or do you just kind of ignore it and think that like, it's a ridiculous like dream that is not going to happen? Honestly, one of my favorite parts about the NBA is this off season, the silly season, how much fun fans have <laughs> tracking 
everything that goes on with the players in their, you know, mm-hmm. private lives. I remember a few years ago we were, you know, tracking the flight plans of LeBron's plane to figure out where he was making his decision. And like now it's, <laughs> we're keeping tabs on where LeBron's kids may or may not be attending school as a bad <laughs> indicator of him joining the Lakers. So I think, yeah, definitely the fans are picking up on every little kernel that they can to just discern any possible clues to see if the free agents are going to come here. I mean, the Durant thing doesn't seem me seem as plausible to me just because why would you leave a two-time defending champion to come join the Lakers? Uh, but, you know, just say the word banana boat and you'll get a lot of Lakers fans <laughs> thinking about the rest of those guys. I have a question for you, Sabrina. As a longtime fan, uh, you mentioned, you know, um, a couple summers ago, some of the, you know, tracking the flights and everything like that. I wonder if you could share some of your favorite memories, either in season or off season that you've experienced with the Lakers. You mean like from a transaction perspective or Uh, just in in general, like for the team in general, like um, or your involvement with the team or you as a fan or just specific moves that you remember? Just kind of like what are some of the things that like when people ask you, you know, what do you love about the Lakers and what do you remember in all your years as a fan? Well, this probably won't go over so well with your Portland fan base. Oh, no. You can't. (laughs) Delete. Delete. (laughs) I know where you're going. (laughs) The year that really cemented my fandom was 2000. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. That never happened. When people ask me what my favorite play is from the Lakers, I'm going to be a chef. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, why did you let me ask that question, Kendall? (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't been involved really writing about the Lakers that much, so more of my experiences involve this fan. But, I mean, more recently, uh, I know, uh, I don't know how this was received, like, around the league, but I, I loved watching Kobe's last game. I mean, so much of my life has been growing up with watching him as a Laker and seeing him go out like that with 60 points and the refs refusing to call any moving screens and the entire offense being directed towards him was, to, was a blast. Um, and... I mean, I think one of the things I love about this current team is just that we have so many young guys who have the potential to turn into something special. And I'm just really excited for the, the potential that we have going forward. I mean, it's it's been a few dark years, you know, where it just seemed like we were signing a bunch of guys on one-year flyers and you didn't know what the team was going to look like from one year to the next. So now just having some consistency from one year to the next is uh, it's really exciting. So speaking of the young guys, um, someone who obviously is a very big name around the league is Lonzo Ball. Uh, So kind of around the league, I feel like he isn't very popular for the average NBA fan. He's not someone that he's kind of almost like the one of the villains of the league now. Um, Yeah. Whether or not he he hasn't really done that's obviously been LeVar, his dad. But as a Laker fan, what is kind of the view of him as fans of the team? Well, just to start with Lonzo, I think, honestly, I think it's kind of crazy that we even ended up with him. Uh, Just watching him in L.A. when he was at UCLA and thinking like, oh, wouldn't this be a fun guy to have on the Lakers? And then the Lakers actually keeping their pick, you know, with all the protections associated with that awful trade and then using it to draft Lonzo. It it just seems kind of crazy to me that it all happened. Like, I remember talking with my friends during his UCLA season, like, how much fun would it be to have this guy and not actually thinking that it would ever come to fruition because – just never happens that the guys you target in college are the ones that end up on your team. So, I mean, I think it's pretty cool that he ended up on the Lakers to begin with. And 
I think among Laker fans, there's an acknowledgement that he really had the best rookie season out of him, Kuzma, and Hart. And it's just a matter of time before the rest of the national consciousness sort of catches up with that, you know, once his dad fades out of the picture a little bit. Um, generally, I think we're all pretty happy with how his rookie season went, you know, injuries aside. And he's he's really like the, the flagship of that rookie class heading forward. Mm-hmm. So speaking of his dad, he, um, I know recently or today, he went on a couple like the Fox sports shows and right. talked about how um, the three of his sons are going to play together. And if the Lakers don't sign all three of them, then Lonzo's going to walk away. As a fan, that I think, whether or not that has any facts backing that or if that's actually going to happen, um, just as a fan hearing that, what does that kind of make you feel about maybe their loyalty to the organization and just the the willingness to just get up and walk away or for him to at least be threatening that? Yeah, I I will say that um, nothing has ever maybe questioned Lonzo's loyalty to the Lakers. I mean, his dad obviously has done a tremendous job marketing the family and capitalizing on the momentum that his sons have currently. Um, but I honestly, most of the people that I associate with, like, we're not very concerned about Lonzo's relationship with the Lakers. Uh, coaches seem to love him. You know, he seems to love his teammates and like, obviously the, the just the contract machinations make no sense that LeVar's talking about. So it's not something that I'm terribly concerned with. Although I will say I did enjoy it far more when LeVar was in Lithuania. It was a lot more like <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure Magic Johnson did too. Yeah. He, was, he definitely enjoyed that more. Yeah. I want to kind of jump in with a question, another question about the younger players. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk about, you know, there's a lot of, like we said, a lot of rumors swirling about the off season and a lot of machinations that may happen um, in order to bring in some really big names. There may be trades involved. What are your thoughts on which of the younger players are most likely to remain Lakers and which ones are most likely in your opinion to be uh, possibly traded? Right. So I think that there is certain tiers of prospects that the Lakers have. So that tier one would be Lonzo and Brandon Ingram. And I think that the only way that either of those get moved is if a superstar is coming back, they wouldn't be attached to any contracts to like clear cap space or anything of that sort. It would just be like, Oh, well, let's say the Spurs want to trade Kawhi Leonard, then that's a piece that you would ship out. Uh, so I'm fairly confident that Lonzo and Brandon Ingram wouldn't be part of any smaller trade discussions. As far as the other players, like Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart and Thomas Bryant, um, I could theoretically see them being attached to, let's say, Luol Deng's contract to make that space. But again, I don't think that's the kind of deal that the Lakers would do unless they were certain that they had something to do with that space. So... I'm not too concerned about losing any of those young guys because I think that even if we lost them, they'd be replaced with something much better. I generally have a good deal of faith in this front office from the deals they've made so far. So, Yeah, what do you think about uh, Rob Palenka as a GM? So to be honest, I was uh, pretty skeptical when they first got the job. You know, just uh, the timing of the move, like uh, the week of the trade deadline to ask your general manager is uh, odd, to say the least. Um, but I mean, the, all they've done so far is just make really quality signings and really quality trades, like from acquiring a first rounder for Lou Williams and 
I mean, I know a lot of people weren't big fans of the D'Angelo Russell trade. I, I've never been a huge Russell fan myself, so I really liked that deal. Um, and then obviously this latest deal with Cleveland where they managed to turn Jordan Clarkson into a first-round draft pick was pretty marvelous. So I'm a fan. I think uh, I think he's proven that he's uh, more than capable of being a general manager in this league. So, so on that Cleveland trade, obviously you guys uh, got Isaiah Thomas in that. Mm-hmm. He is has been very vocal about saying he wants to stay with the Lakers and is also looking for a match contract, which the chances of that happening are obviously very slim. But as um, kind of in this environment, do you think that he is going to stick around? Like, do you think they're going to try to keep him or do you just see them not even making an attempt? Well, I mean, if the Lakers acquire uh, LeBron James, then I don't think Isaiah Thomas will be sticking around. (laughs) Um, we've already seen how that works out. Yeah. Um, but I do think that uh, the team sees him as someone who could be a you know, solid backup point guard to Lonzo, but I don't think they have any interest in him beyond that. It's it's kind of a shame. I, there are a few players in the league who I feel... I mean, obviously, they're all Pascal players and have you know really been very successful at what they do. It's just you, you really feel for a guy like Isaiah who seemed like he was on track to really cash in and just all sort of gotten taken away from him. Yeah, I mean, you see all the time people saying how he went from, like, the hero in Boston and was this, like, loved player to being one of the most hated players in the league within, like, six months. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't see that ever. I always felt a personal kinship to Isaiah Thomas because both of our fathers lost bets during the 1989 NBA Finals. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it didn't affect my name, but, you know. Um. What are some of the uh, little lesser known stories about um, some of the players on the Lakers team right now that fans outside of the, uh, you know, Los Angeles don't really know? Like, what are some of the fun stories or interesting backstories about some of the players? I think uh, Kyle Kuzma is just a really wonderful personality that the Lakers have on their team. Um, his, His mom is just a wonderful Twitter presence. She's great. She's always behind him and always hyping him up and has a really great Twitter account. If you ever want to follow Carrie Kuzma, um, LA Laker Kuz's mom on Twitter. Uh, they also, I mean, all of the, the youngins really have a really great Twitter back and forth, specifically Kuzma and Josh Hart. Uh, there's some fun uh, bit when they were playing uh, Fortnite and they were uh, making a joke about how they couldn't say that the game was rated PG-13 because that could be considered tampering. And <laughs> Yeah, the, the youngins have a really, really nice uh, Twitter back and forth, especially like Hart and Kuzma and uh, Lonzo gets in on there every once in a while, too. So today, actually, obviously, I, you probably know, like Lonzo dropped his diss track about yes. Kyle Kuzma. And tomorrow, I guess Kyle Kuzma's coming out with his. Initially, when I heard this, I thought it was very lighthearted. And even after hearing it, I kind of still thought that. And then obviously, um, LeVar went on. TV today and said that they're not very close. So I feel like that's very contradictory to everything that they've portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, so what can you speak on that at all and kind of what you think about that? I mean, I, I don't know them personally, but every indication I've gotten is that the Lakers young guys are obviously very close. And I mean, one, one of my friends actually put it best, like how many dads really know like how close their 20 year old kids are with all of their group of friends, you know, like it's something he's sort of thrown out there, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, think about like your parents always had like a bit of a lag time when 
you stopped hanging out with people or you started hanging out with people, right? <laughs> They're asking you about like your friend from seventh grade. They're like, <laughs> what happened to Sharon? <laughs> You're like, I haven't seen Sharon in five years. <laughs> uh, yeah. LeVar is really good at getting his name out there and mm-hmm. getting people to talk about him. So. How much of that yeah. do you think is an act by LeVar? And, you know, because every once in a while there'll be a story that'll come out about, you know, some of the really nice and kind and genuine things that he does that are under the radar for mm-hmm. some of the kids. Is that something that people in LA talk much about or is it just like, Oh, he's a loud mouth and we just let him go. I think we mostly just talk about the loud mouth, speak it into existence. <laughs> LeVar Ball, right? mm-hmm. But I mean, I honestly, I just think it's a character, you know, he's got this opportunity and he's taking full advantage of it. Right. Do you have Lonzo Ball's shoes? I, I don't have that kind of money, honestly. <laughs> Are you a shoe collector? Uh, no, not really. I keep thinking I want to learn more about uh, That's something that I have never understood. Um, and I keep thinking I want to learn more about it. But it's like there's like a million other things I want to learn more about. Actually, I have one that I want to ask you guys if you guys can, if anyone can explain to me the Uncle Drew movie. Like, what's the deal with that movie? Do you, am I, what am I missing? I don't get it. I have no idea. I mean, I remember when the Uncle Drew commercial first came out and like it was a, a secret, like whose identity it was. Like, I didn't even understand the deal behind that because like I, I went to do with Kyrie Irving actually at the same time. So like, I mean, he I, I don't understand his personality like one bit. So yeah, I know. <laughs> but what... And like, why would he do this movie? I don't understand it. And there are like well, legit NBA stars in this movie too, right? Like, uh, and Lisa Leslie's in it as well, right? Like, Yeah, I, I can explain a little bit. So it's actually... Um, the character Uncle Drew came from uh, Kyrie did a Pepsi commercial like five or six years ago and he played this character in the commercial. He was like the uncle, he was the Uncle Drew that was like really good at basketball and like showed all the young kids up and it, people just, it blew up and people loved it. And now, I mean, people are upset. Like it, it just brought up so much that they just turned it into a movie. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't, there's not really a whole lot backing it up of, like, the meaning behind or anything. It was just kind of a funny thing. But, yeah, yeah I mean, the cast is crazy. Like, Shaq yeah. is in it. Um, I feel like Reggie Miller, like, Tiffany Haddish. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> well, I'll try to bring us back to reality because that's not, is that being released this week? It's coming, like, I, I saw some previews came from it, but it is is not actually in my world yet. So I'll have to wait until I can watch the Uncle Drew movie. Um, yeah, but- it comes out in like two weeks. I'm pretty certain I'll end up watching it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I have another question about um, about the Lakers, and that is, um, how is the relationship between um, uh, Coach Walton? Is he solidly, like, you know, the fact that they haven't made the playoffs in the last couple of years, like, they're not holding, you know, you know him like to some other standard, they're like, no, we understand you're going to work it out with this group. Like what, what are things like with coach Walton? Right. So I think you always worry when a head coach gets hired and then the general manager that hired him gets fired, you know? So it's always important to point out that Luke Walton was not hired by Magic Johnson, Rob Linka, and that could create some discomfort. But I think the fact that obviously nothing was really expected of the team in Luke's first season And this year they, you know, their win total improved to 35 wins. And it was, you know, by all accounts, a massive jump from the year before. So I think the expectations are measured. You know, Magic and Palenka know what they're working with. 
and they see the progress that the young players have made and they see like the beginnings of a system being outlined. I think the fact that uh, Luke managed to coerce an above average defense out of this Laker team is a real feather in his cap. So I don't think that there's any pressure, you know, for Walton being on the hot seat because he hasn't made the playoffs in the first two seasons. Obviously, like with the plans that they have this summer, the expectations could jump dramatically for next year, but I think he's solidly secure mm-hmm. right now. I'm also curious um, about your owner. So um, for people who don't know a lo- much about the Bus family, maybe you could tell us a little bit about Jeannie Bus and the family and then talk about kind of their relationship with uh, with the city and with the team and what they mean to the fan base. Right. Absolutely. So Jerry Bus was the owner of the Lakers dating back to the 70s. And he was, I mean, by all accounts, he's one of the gold standards of ownership, you know, not only in basketball, but in professional sports. And when he passed away in 2013, he left the team who, in the control of his six children. And he put his son, Jim, in charge of the basketball operations and his son, her daughter, Jeannie, in charge of the, uh, the non-basketball side of the Lakers. So uh, essentially that didn't really work. Um, Jeannie and Jim didn't have the best working relationship. And so she fired him in 2017. And now it was her decision to hire Magic Johnson, Rob Linka, and she takes a much more active role in basketball operations. Um, uh, Laker fans seem to have an undying love for Jeannie Buss. Like, she is uh, the, the closest, like, link we'd have, you know, to Jerry Buss. She has a great relationship with all the players. You know, she has a great relationship with Walton. And uh, I think people are pretty pretty happy with the way the situation went down, but... I mean, you always wonder, like, if the magic of the Lakers can be recaptured without Jerry Buss. You know, there's, like, a little inkling that maybe there isn't L.A. magic. It was just Jerry Buss magic. So hopefully Jeannie can maintain some of that. Is is she, do either of you know, is she the only female, like, majority owner in the league? I should have looked that up before we started. <laughs> I think she's the only one that um, sits at the board of governors meetings. Okay. So it goes mm-hmm. to the, to the owner meetings where all the, yeah. mo- when they, when they sit and make big decisions. Right. Got it. Um, I have one last uh, Laker related question. And that is last summer at summer league, <laughs> there was a very important championship game before the Los Angeles Lakers between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Portland trailblazers. It was very exciting. I mean, it's really the only championship that I paid attention to this last 24, <laughs> those last 12 months. Uh, are you expecting a, uh, a return to the championship? And do you think um, they have it in them to defend it, especially if the Trailblazers make it there as well? I cannot overstate to you how exciting it was to watch the Summer League last season. Like, literally the first play of their first Summer League game was a lob from Lonzo to Brandon Ingram. And, like, literally every single Laker fan was just, oh, playoffs, we've got this. <laughs> but, I mean, Lonzo's not playing this year. Kyle Kuzma's not playing this year. I look forward to seeing, you know, Josh Hart and Thomas Bryant and whoever the Lakers can secure with their two draft picks this year. Um, but also our summer league coach, you know, Jed Bushler took a job at the Knicks, so he's also gone. Um, so it might not be quite as successful of a summer league for the Lakers this year. Who do you think, do they know who's going to be the coach yet? Or have they, they'll probably just announce that right beforehand, huh? Yeah, probably. 
Yeah. Well, that is exciting. And um, I go to summer league every year and um, I, I, this was hard for me to confess to all of my diehard blazer fan friends, but I love going to the Laker games at uh, summer league because I mean, they pack the arena um, and it's loud. It's like a regular NBA game. It's just, uh, it's just fun. And I just have, um, I really like Brandon Ingram for some reason. The first year I saw him in summer league, I really liked him. He was like a little deer out there with his long legs and his short shorts. And, you know, like he's just up there a little bit unsteady on his feet and <laughs> well, and he really improved so much from year one to year two. Agreed. I think um, I heard uh, Ramona Shelburne call him like a spaghetti dribbling meatballs. once. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's a great image to describe Brandon Ingram. It's hilarious. And like I swear every time I watch a Laker game, either his legs get longer or his shorts get shorter or both. <laughs> they just like his legs are up to his neck right now. They're so I mean he, that kid has so much length. Um and it sounds like you feel like he's pretty safe to remain a part of the franchise no matter what type of um wheel for for the most part no matter what type of wheel and in deal and they do this summer. I mean, again, the only way I could say moving is if, you know, Greg Popovich called up and said that Kawhi was available. You know, yeah. that's literally the only option. Mm -hmm. uh, Kendall, do you have any more questions? Uh, no, I think we covered everything. Cool. Well, if there's anything else you want to share, otherwise we'll move to our uh, the, the usual last question that we ask is who is a woman that you admire in basketball? So this honestly like changes for me like on an hourly basis, um, but currently uh, I really love Becky Hammond. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was uh, really you know brave of her when she got uh, locked out of the U.S. team to you know go play for Russia and figure out a way to get involved in international basketball. And now obviously she's one of she's the only woman on an NBA bench, which is super cool. And she never makes a big deal about the fact that she's a woman. You know she just goes about and does her business and. And, you know, she's won a summer league title, too, which is mm -hmm. big in my book. <laughs> um, yeah, so she'd be the one right now. It goes summer league titles, NBA championships, and then, like, MVP. Like, those are, like, that's the ranking of all the awards that can be yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> that can be won or given out over the course of an NBA season. I'm, I'm with you on that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to talk to you, learn a little bit more about the Lakers. Um, if people want to find work that you do or follow you on social media, how can they find you? Well, you can read me at Silver Screen and Roll, which is the Lakers SB Nation site. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sabrina JM. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry I brought up some old Blazers memories. Oh, you had to bring it up again. <laughs> I had just forgotten it. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. That will do it for this edition of Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast. We are hosted by Blazers Edge, which is part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. If you like what you heard, please go to the Blazers Edge podcast feed on iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe, rate, and review. We release new episodes of the What Podcast every other Thursday on that Blazers Edge podcast feed. If you just want to get notified when the What Podcast episodes are released, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoops and Talks 
I'm on Twitter at TCBBigs. That's a lot of B's and G's. So you could also just go to Google and type in Team Mom Rip City. And my Twitter page should pop right up at the top. And Kendall is also on Twitter. She is at KendallBennett16. Thanks a lot for listening to us this week. And we will talk to you in just a couple weeks. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>